Good morning, Cathedral of Faith. Come on, let's all stand to our feet. It's time to give praise and glory to the Lord, who not only does good things, great things, but He does God things. Amen. Come on. Woo. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And break every chain, oh 
share is if God has done great things in your life, come on, let's give him a hand of praise. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. So I want to take the opportunity to welcome everyone to the Cathedral of Faith, where the love is lived out and absolutely anything and everything is. Amen. And as we've welcomed you, let's welcome back Pastor Dan and Kara as they lead us in a powerful, powerful song. How many of you know God is able? Have you seen him do miracles? Sometimes we have to do our warfare through our worship. This is the moment, this is the time. I'm praying God come and turn this thing around. God turn it around, God turn it around. Turn it around. Oh, I'm calling on the name that changes everything. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. Cause all of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. And breakthrough will come. Come in the name, the name of Jesus. Oh, I'm praying God come and turn this whole thing around. God turn it around. God turn it around. God turn it around. You see, I'm calling on the name. Turn it around, God, turn it around. Soul of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. God, turn it around, God, turn it around, God, turn it around. Oh, I need you, Lord. up to something God is doing something right now he is up to something he is up to something God is doing something right now he is healing someone he is saving someone God is doing something I know right now he is healing someone he is saving someone God is doing something
turn it around. God, turn it around. Oh, we need you to come in, Lord. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. Oh, sing it again. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. Come into us one last time. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. Hallelujah. He can do it. He can do it. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God turn it around, yes He will. Amen, amen. We believe here at Cathedral of Faith that anything is, po is possible because no matter how impossible your situation is, we know that God is up to something, amen? And He will turn it around. So before you see it, when you turn to the person next to you and tell them, God will turn it around. Cathedral friends. Whether you're here on campus or online, we're so glad that you're here with us this weekend. If you're new here, I'm Veronica. And I'm Stephanie. And we'd like to welcome you and thank you for being here today. We would love to get to know you better as well as share with you a little bit about us. There's a card on the seat back in front of you with a QR code that you can scan and fill out digitally or you can turn it over and fill out the back. With that same QR code, you can also give, you can request prayer, and if you recently made the decision to accept Jesus in your heart, we would love to celebrate that moment with you by sending you a certificate. Our Cathedral of Faith Youth Ministry Coffee presents Trip, a faith-based hip-hop musical production about a group of high school friends who are getting ready for the Halloween party of the year. They make chilling choices and deceiving deals that lead them through a maze of problems. Last year they sold out, so this year they've added more shows, so make sure to grab your tickets today on our website, cathedraloffaith.org. Well, we have a lot of great things coming up, like the Chevy Classic Car Show, the Toy Drive, Men's and Women's Bible Studies, and the Chosen Generation Senior Trip. Be sure to stay up to date by following our social medias, checking our website, and downloading our app. Okay, friends, well, that's all we have for this week. We hope you have an amazing week. Bye. Good morning, Cathedral of Faith. Isn't it a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord? Oh, we're so glad you're here. Welcome to all those folks watching online out in the parking lot, our amphitheater, our chapel, and of course, right here in our main auditorium. We're so glad you're here. And our prayers before you leave today, you will know how much God really loves you. And of course, make yourself at home because this is your Father's house. Well, a lot of exciting things are happening. There's going to be a big baptism service right after this service today. So Pastor Tony Ortiz, he came to Christ at an Easter service back in the late 70s downtown at the Center of Performing Arts. God got a hold of this gang member's heart, turned it around. And ever since that time, Pastor Tony, he formed a nonprofit and has been reaching 
men and women, young people to help share the love of Jesus in practical ways. He's been serving the city. Well, a little over 10 years ago, the, the state and the county, we have an issue in our community. The challenge is many men and women that are coming out of prison, they end up back in prison 60% within the first year. And they wanted to try a little experiment because they know when a prisoner meets Jesus, things change. They recognize that. Jesus changes your life. And so they partnered with us, Cathedral of Faith, to start the Good Samaritan Project. It was a three-year test trial, and I have good news to you. We just celebrated 10 years of that partnership last year. We've served over 1,000 men and women through Pastor Tony's organization right here at Cathedral. And today, right after this service, we're going to be uh, baptism, baptizing 19 men and women, amen, from the Good Samaritan Project. So you may want to know, what does the Good Samaritan Project do? We help people get a fresh start, just like Jesus does. We help them get housing. We help folks get uh, jobs. We help them provide groceries uh, to meet all of their needs. And they meet every week in a Bible study here. So I just want to, can we just give God praise? He's the God of the second chances. And I'm glad we're a church of the second chances. There's some churches that probably would say, no, 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 not in our church. But I'm glad Cathedral of Faith is a place where the loved is lived out. Amen. Thank you so much for all the ways you give. Cathedral of loving people that are on the fringes that you say, hey, God loves you. And I'm grateful that God loved me. Amen. Saved a sinner like me. So thank you to all the church family for all the ways that you give and serve of your time and your talents to help us love our community and shine his light all over the Bay Area and all over the world through your giving. There's easy ways to give. You can give, of course, online through the app or at the end of service. But thank you so much for your faithfulness and all that you do to help us do what God has called us to do. Well, it's always great to have Pastor Carol and Dan Fryer back home with us. Give them a great big welcome as they come to minister to you as well as unto the Lord.
Good morning, Cathedral family. It's great to be together, whether you're here in the sanctuary, all of you guys out in the foyer, those in the amphitheater, those of you in the coffee shop, those of you in the parking lot, and special greetings to all of you in Morgan Hill who are watching. It's great to have you with us today. And a shout out to our mayor down there, Mark Turner, who's joining our Cathedral family. Thanks, Mark, for all you're doing to help us all love Morgan Hill. And we're looking forward to what God's going to do today. Questions. Did you see all those questions on that? Questions, questions, and more questions. You know, from a very young age, kids start asking questions. Why? 
Are we there yet? Why? Why don't the stars fall down from the sky? Why? So many questions. In fact, toddlers ask three to 400 questions a day. No wonder parents start to sort of go crazy. I actually love questions, and one of my hobbies is collecting questions. I have a whole shelf on my bookshelf with just books with questions. Questions to get to know people, questions to break the ice, questions to help direct people in their lives. And here's some of my favorite ones. Here's one. What's your earliest memory? Now, that can spark all kinds of discussions. Some of us can't remember past last week. But some of us can go all the way back. I had somebody tell me once, I remember being in my mother's womb. I'm like, really? <laughs> uh, let's put those questions back up one more time. Where would you like to go you've never been? That's a great question. And hey, if your answer is the Holy Land, next March in 2025, a year and a half, Pastor Kurt and I are going to take a group there. You can answer that question and go with us. The next one is, who's your favorite character in the Bible besides Jesus? These are questions that stimulate conversations and help us understand and connect with each other and help us know what to do. So actually, when Jesus walked the earth, we have all these stories of how people ask him questions. All together, they asked him 183 questions, and he only answered three of them. But Jesus himself asked 307 questions. He was a good question asker. In fact, here are some of the questions he asked. He said, what are you looking for? He said, hey, do you want to get well? He asked one guy, do you, what do you want me to do for you? And then he asked the disciples and he asked us, who do you say that I am? Questions. In fact, here's the interesting thing. I believe God encourages us to ask questions. Rather than just passing through our concerns and doubts, rather than just acting like everything's okay, he gives us room to ask questions like this. Hey, why is there something rather than nothing? Or how can we know that God exists? Or can we only be sure of what's scientifically proven? There are so many questions that come out of from so many areas, and this is what we're trying to do in this series, exploring God. And here's the question today. Why even believe that there is a God? Why do we even believe that? I mean, we just heard a great song, God's Not Dead, but why do we believe that there's even a God? And we're going to examine that and walk through maybe some of the doubts that the people around you express, or maybe some doubts you've had. You know, sometimes we can hit a bump in the road, we can go through a crisis, and we can wonder, God, are you really there? Like, why didn't you intervene? Why didn't you do something about this? It's okay to have doubts. You know, there are some uh, mature Christians out there who say, oh, you should never talk about your doubts. You just talk positive and speak faith. But the reality is that's not really biblical. Because Every story of the Bible, Moses doubted, David doubted, even Thomas, who was standing with the resurrected Jesus, doubted. But the deal isn't that we don't doubt, it's like we bring them to the Lord. In fact, if you look at Matthew chapter 28, this is the last scene of Jesus' life on earth, and here's what it says. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, and when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. I mean, even the guy standing there with Jesus after he resurrected, like, really? And here's what that does. It gives us permission to bring our doubts to the Lord. 
In fact, that's why I believe God even includes passages like this in Psalm 10 when David is calling out to the Lord. And here's what David says. Oh, Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide when I'm in trouble? Anybody ever yelled this out? But it goes on to say the skeptic brags about their evil desires. They're too proud to seek God. They seem to think that God is dead. The skeptic even says in their heart, there is no God. But then it goes on to say, the Lord looks down from heaven on all of us to see if there's anyone, if there are any who understand and any who seek God. And that's what we're gonna do this weekend. We're gonna press into God for some answers for ourselves and for the people we run into. We're in a series called Explore God. And actually hundreds of churches all over the Bay Area are in this same series. Hundreds of churches are standing up to say, hey, we want to demonstrate through, through scripture, through life, that God is there and that he has a plan for us. Sometimes those doubts can sort of squeeze us in. Sometimes those skeptics can sort of press in on us. Sometimes atheists and their theories can somehow box us in. Anybody ever been in an escape room? You go in and there's all these clues and you find the clues to get out. And here's what we're going to do today. We're gonna go through some clues. Nope. Nope. Ah, clue number one. We're gonna go through some clues to try to escape from this room of doubts. Instead of ignoring them, it's like, we're gonna press through and say, God, would you speak to us? Because the reality is faith is one of the most rational things we can do. And we're gonna talk through that as we open the scriptures. Our first clue today, Ah, it's this amazing planet God has created to put us on. It's really incredible that this earth, this universe, us, we exist. We are matter. Not only do we matter, but we are matter. And somehow, when we think about matter, we recognize that matter reveals a maker. Say that with me. Matter reveals a maker. Everything exists had to come from somewhere. I mean, I know atheists propound this theory that 14 billion years ago, there was this big bang and it spread out and there was earth and there's planets and there's all this stuff. But the reality is, their whole argument is it came from this ball of matter. But where did that come from? There's no explanation. It didn't come from nothing. Somehow out there, something had to initiate this process. In fact, in Romans 1, Paul puts it this way. He says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. Matter reveals a maker. I mean, this globe is just absolutely Amazing, the earth we stand on. It's exactly 8,000 miles in diameter. Do you know if it was larger, that ice caps would fill the whole place and be uninhabitable? It's just the right size. And it's just the right distance from the sun. If it was further away, it would be all ice. If it was closer, it'd be unbearably, unlivably hot. But it's just the right distance. And the rotational speed is just absolutely perfect that it creates life with 
if it was going slower, again, ice caps. If it was going faster, it would be so hot. And it's also just the right atmosphere with 78% nitrogen and 21% oxygen. Without that, life couldn't be sustained. All those right things just happen to be in place here. And it's also just the right tilt, 23.5 degrees. Otherwise, it would not rotate the way it does. So many intricate details about this beautiful place called Earth that's made by God for us. It could not have just happened, amen? But let's take this a little further. Not only does matter reveal a maker, but also life reveals a life giver. Life has to come from someplace. It just didn't happen out of non-organic material. Life just didn't appear by itself. Somewhere, life had to take place. And because there is life, there's a life giver. I love this passage in John when he's writing about the coming of Jesus and he says, in him was life and his life brought light to everyone. There has to be a moment when life comes into being and it could not happen by itself. Not only that, this clue also tells us that everything that's designed must have a designer. You don't see a beautiful painting and say, oh, I wonder if that canvas fell on the ground at Hobby Lobby or Michael's and some ants just walked across it with paint and made that beautiful painting. Now, the minute you see a beautiful work of art, you think there was an artist. When you see a beautiful work of architecture, you say there was an architect. When you see a car or you see a machine of any kind, like somebody made that. And it's the same with this beautiful earth that God's put us on. It reveals to us that every design has a designer. When you see something so beautifully designed, you have to know right away, somebody designed this. The psalmist writes in Psalm 19 these words, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Taking a look at this beautiful earth, and the heavens, the design, the beauty with which it works, there's a designer behind all of that. So our first clue to getting out of this escape room is life reveals a life giver, matter reveals a maker, design reveals a designer. Let's go and find clue number two. Oh, it's right here. Clue number two. What's this one? Hmm. Anybody recognize that sound? Hopefully it's because you had jury duty. <laughs> Everybody knows that some things are right and some things are wrong. Everybody knows some things are just and some things are unjust. I mean, how many times have you read the news or watched television and you're like, that shouldn't be, that's terrible. How could somebody do that? Because inside of us, we're created with this sense of knowing there is right and there is wrong. Where does that come from? It sure doesn't come from the animal world. The animal world is survival of the fittest. You know, killer whales don't get prosecuted. You know, in the, in the animal world and in nature, it's a whole different mentality, but somewhere, I mean, we did not climb out of the slime and somehow develop morality. 
Morality was spoken into us, and here's the clue for this one. Morality reveals a moral lawgiver. There's an objective standard out there that tells us that's not right. People shouldn't do that. Otherwise, it's just your word against mine. Well, I think it's okay. I can do whatever I want. Well, you think it's okay. No. Morality reveals a moral lawgiver. Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 2 when he says these words. When outsiders who have never heard of God's law follow it more or less by instinct, they confirm its truth by their obedience. They show that God's law is not something alien imposed on them from without, but woven into the very fabric of our creation. There is something deep within them that echoes God's yes and no, God's right and wrong. He created us as human beings with the sense that, no, we shouldn't do that. Somehow in the animal world, it's survival of the fittest. Animal kills animal. The strong takes care of the weak. If we were just a product of that evolutionary process, why wouldn't that be true for us as humans? Why, is it, why wouldn't it not just be okay to wipe out minorities or get rid of people we don't like? That's how the animal kingdom works. But in humans, it's different because God created us. Not only does a moral law show there's a lawgiver, but intelligence reveals there's an intelligent creator. When you look at the beauty and the intricacy of who we are, we have a different kind of intelligence. Yes, you can teach dogs all kinds of tricks. Yes, you can get animals to do all kinds of things in the zoo or the circus or when they're out of captivity. But the reality is there's difference when it comes to understanding and knowing and choosing that we have that design points to the fact that because there's a moral law, because of intelligence, there's a moral lawgiver and there's an intelligent designer, an intelligent source, God himself, who works in us. Justice, right and wrong, intelligence. Let's see if we can find one more clue to get out of this room. There's only one left. Clue number three. This is a Bible from my library. It's a pretty big one. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a good Bible. Let me tell you about the scriptures. Do you know how many amazing prophecies there are in the scripture? Hundreds of prophecies that Jesus would come that were fulfilled. There are so many prophecies. One, especially by Isaiah, he prophesied that the Babylonians would be overtaken by the Medo-Persians and that they would be overtaken by a man named Cyrus. And you know what? 150 years later, it happened. That's supernatural. And if there is supernatural in the Bible, then that reveals that there's a supernatural author. If supernatural exists here, if things like that really happen, then the reality is there is a supernatural author who inspired this. There's something more than just words here that claim to be from God. They actually demonstrate through the miracles that they were from God. In Jeremiah 28, the prophet puts it this way. So a prophet who predicts peace must show he is right. Only when his predictions come true can we know that he's really from the Lord. In fact, you know what happened in those days? If you prophesied that it happened, they stoned you. That would make you pretty careful about what you're gonna preach. 
You know, I think some people these days need to hear that. Prophesying all over me, I'm like, uh, I don't know. I hope I don't have to stone you afterwards. <laughs> Prophets had a pretty high standard because they believed that when they heard from God, they need to speak. And if prophets could hear and speak supernaturally, that reveals to us that there's a supernatural God behind all of this. And part of this third clue is this. Here in the scriptures, we read about the life of Jesus. I know humans can do amazing things. We can create amazing things, do amazing things. But these stories in the Bible of Jesus walking on the water, raising the dead, picking up an ear and putting it back on. These are supernatural experiences. And, and here's the truth about that. If something is supernatural, the resurrected Jesus reveals a supernatural explanation. There has to be something supernatural behind all this. It didn't just come into existence through evolution. In John chapter 10, we read these words. Don't believe me unless I carry out my father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I've done, even if you don't believe me. Jesus challenges us. Look at these miracles. Look at the supernatural. That's how we know that God exists. Yeah. Now, the, the tough thing for me is we have atheists who claim that we're logical, we're reasonable, we're intellectual, and yet irrationally they believe that everything came out of nothing. That takes a lot of faith. They believe that somehow an explosion created this exquisite order that we call humanity and life and earth and universe. Somehow they believe that out of nothing popped this precision of everything we experience here. They somehow think that a well-designed universe has nothing to do with the designer. Somehow our distant forefathers and their thinking, frogs and slime, somehow gave way from non-intelligence to intelligence. What kind of faith does that take? Meanwhile, on the other hand, absolutely rational are these things. Let's go through them again. Matter reveals a maker. Life reveals a life giver. Design reveals a designer. Morality reveals a moral lawgiver. Intelligence reveals an intelligent creator. Supernatural in the Bible reveals a supernatural author. And the resurrected Jesus reveals a supernatural explanation. In fact, if you haven't done so yet, take your cameras out or your phones. This is what you need a picture of. When you start to have doubts, when you say, God, are you really there? This is what you need to remind yourself of. Because I have to confess, I've been following Jesus all my life. I believe in him. I followed him. But you know, there's still moments when you get in a crisis and you think, God, are you really there? Where are you? This is what we remember rationally. Faith is a rational thing. We believe in faith in God because we see these things that are clear and evident. So here's the truth. I know that a lot of people try to spend a lot of time proving God is dead. He doesn't exist. But the reality is Everybody has a God. And here's what a God is. A God is whatever your life is centered in. Whatever it is you center your life around, that's your God. It controls you. It drives you. It gets you out of bed. For some people, it's their looks. Hours working on all of this. So it looks a certain way. 
For some people, it's their bank account. They're checking it constantly. How's my account? How's my money? How's my retirement? How's my future? Everything's about finances and money and making more and getting more and having more. For some people, the center of their life is their family. It's like, it's all about my kids. I have to do everything for them so they can have every possible opportunity. And yes, we want our kids to have opportunities, but they were never intended to be the center of our life. Our health can be the center of our life. Our fame can be the center of life. Our career can be the center of life. All those can be God's. And so here's the truth. Everyone worships. Everyone worships something and everyone is centered in something because whatever you're centered in, what drives you, what gets you up is what you're centered in. And the whole point of understanding the existence of God, does he even exist? It's because he says, look, your life is only going to work if you move me to the center. As long as you have your income, your looks, your health, your family, your experiences, your emotions as the center of your life, it's not going to work. You know, for many years, people thought the earth was the center of the universe. People thought this is the center, the sun goes around the earth, the moon goes around the earth, the stars go around the earth, here we are at the center. But all of a sudden, after years of scientific exploration, which by the way, science was spurred by Christianity. Because people of faith believed if God created this, then it's observable. If God created this, it's consistent and laws can be in place all the time. There's a law of thermodynamics, a law of biogenetics, the, all these laws that were put into place because people believe we can look at the universe and seek observable, consistent things and we can come up with theorems. But somehow, all of that led away from God. But let me go back to the earth. Here's what happens. One day, Copernicus, Galileo, they're like, wait, it doesn't look like we're the center. It looks like we go around the sun. That was a major change of thinking. And that's really what this sermon demands. We might think we're the center of the universe. How I feel, what I want, what I know, where I've been, how much I make what I drive, what I wear, how I look. We may think that's the center of our life, but today I want us to have that Copernicus Galileo revelation. You're not the center. You're not the center. And it's not that God has to prove, you know, sometimes I just wish, you know, we could like bring God out and weigh him, say, see, here he is. And we could like be in a classroom with an atheist professor and say, watch this, poof, and there he is. You know, I wish we could do those kinds of things. But that's where faith comes in. God, I can see by your design. I can see by the supernatural. I can see by the life that works. I can see by the things that you've made, the matter that's here. You do exist. And in faith, I let you be the center of my life. In fact, that's, that's the call today. Here's what Jesus is saying. Look, I want to be the center of everything. Jesus, the center of all things, which means Jesus, the center of your life. It's not just the center of the universe. It's not just the center of the earth. It's not just the center of the calendar, BCAD. He wants to be the center of your life. He wants to be what you worship. 
In Colossians chapter one, we read this great verse where it says, in him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. That's who he is. And in you, that's how all things hold together. You know, I think one of the things of heaven, and people are like, what are we gonna do in heaven? Just say, holy, 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 holy. It's like, is that it? Let me tell you what the word holy means. I'm sure you've seen these commercials on television. We're gonna give you this, but wait, there's more. And then they show you something else. But wait, there's more. And you get this much off, but wait, there's more. Holy is another way of saying other, above, sacred, more. Holy is another way of saying, but wait, there's more. Here's what that means, I believe. Throughout all eternity, we're going to like, you did what? (gasps) And there's more. And God did this. I think you're going to see every place in your life where God sort of protected you, watched over you, brought somebody to your life, provided for you. There's all these things that you think you did because you went to school and because you worked so hard. And yes, I'm glad you worked hard at your job and I'm glad you did all the things you did, but God was directing and leading you that whole time. And when you get to heaven, you're gonna see, what, you did that? You protected me from that? You provided that? And that's why he wants us to center our lives now. The sooner we put him in the center, the sooner our life begins to line up the way he intended. The next phrase I'm putting up on the screen, I want you to take another picture of. It says this, I am here to worship and serve Jesus. Let's say that together. I am here to worship and serve Jesus. One more time. No, I, oh sorry, I thought it went down. I am here to worship and serve Jesus. That's why we're here. But you know, when you get in your car, that's why you're there. When you get to work, I'm here to worship and serve Jesus. When you're around the table with your family, I'm here to worship and serve Jesus. Again, he's calling to be the center so that we can let our life move around who he is. So here's the question. It's the same question Jesus asked Mary and Martha in John 11. They were going through a really big crisis. Their brother died. He was too young, it was unexpected. And here's what Jesus says in John chapter 11. I am the resurrection and I am the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And here's the the question, do you believe this? That's what he was saying to Mary Martha and that's what he's saying to you today. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Then he says, put me in the center. Let me be the center, let me guide your life, let me direct you. I think the importance of a sermon like this, there are people out there who don't believe in God and they need to understand it's okay, it's rational. You can trust in God because of all these things. Matter reveals a maker, life gives a life giver. All those things are important, but here's what happens for us as believers. Something just doesn't work the way we want it to. I went through a, a struggle for the last 18 months. Somebody I loved dearly who was too young to die, died. And I love God, I believe in God, but still something inside of me is shaken. Like, God, why didn't he live? Why didn't you heal him? 
Why did this happen? When we get shaken in crisis, when things don't go the way we, we want, we can sometimes slightly move. And it's not like we stop believing in God, but sort of something inside goes, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Here's the promise of God in Jeremiah 29. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's his promise to us. His promise is you will seek me and find me when you search with all my heart. And here's our response today. It's the same words that were spoken to Jesus in Mark chapter nine, where the guy says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I, I believe there's still part of me that's struggling with this, but help me in my unbelief. I'm gonna invite you to stand at this time. And wherever you are in your journey following Jesus, whether you've never made him the center ever and you need to step across the line to do that, or whether you've been following all your life, I think there's a bold prayer that we can pray together and here's how it goes. Lord, if you are real, make yourself real to me today. Let's say that together. Lord, if you are real, make yourself real to me today. He said if we seek him with all of our heart, we'll find him. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to work in us. And we have the blessing that's a little different than those who walked with him. In John 20, 29, some of the final words of Jesus is this. It says, Jesus said to them, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed me. That's you. Blessed are those who have not seen me but believe. And so Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning. We believe, but help our unbelief. You see how doubts start to creep in. You see how frustrations and concerns can cloud us. You see how everything else can edge its way to the center of our lives. But Lord, today we make you center. Yes. We exalt you, we worship you, we come before you and say, Lord, reveal yourself to us. Be known in our lives. Sometimes we wish we could take you out and weigh you and measure you and show your picture and have you show up in the room. But Lord, as the song declares, you live, you live. He lives, he lives. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Come and fill us this day. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm gonna ask if there's anybody here and say, you know what, I've never stepped across the line. I've never made that decision to follow Jesus, to make him center, and I wanna do that today. I'm gonna to invite you to raise your hand. Yes, 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 yes. I'm gonna ask everyone to pray after me as we join those who raise their hands. Lord Jesus, I love you. I thank you that you love me first. I give my life to you. Come be the center. Remove sin, remove doubts, remove fears, so that you can fill my life and lead my life. I am here to worship and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give God thanks and praise for his faithfulness.
Worship team's coming now. I want us to enter in and worship the Lord and glorify Him. And after that, we're going to receive communion and recenter our lives. That's really what communion is. It's a reset. Like, oh, oh, let's put Him back in the middle. Let's clean up this hard drive and put Him there. But let's worship the Lord together as they come to lead us.
how great is our God. Worthy, worthy to be praised, worthy to be center in your life, worthy to be where you focus and what your life revolves around. Worthy. Because he's the supernatural behind supernatural. He's the life giver behind life. He's the maker behind matter. He's the designer behind the design. He's there all the time watching out for you. And the whole point of communion isn't just, oh, look what Jesus did. I mean, we are going to celebrate his broken body and his shed blood. He died for us. He died for our sins. He took our place. But the purpose of communion, when we read in the book of Corinthians, says a person should examine themselves. Every once in a while, we go to the doctor and get an exam. Why? I know plenty of people who got examined by the doctor and the doctor's like, hmm, this is interesting, let's look at this. And all of a sudden, something was discovered that really needed attention. That's what we do here. It's a self-exam. We say, God, how am I doing? How's my attitude? What am I centered in? How am I spending my life? Yes. Jesus died, so whatever it is that's in center that can move, he forgives it. Yes, he came to give life, but this is a moment to pause. And I'm just gonna ask you to bow your head. Lord, I ask if there's anything in each of our hearts that needs to be brought to you, that in this moment we would surrender. In this moment we would let go. If there's anything we've centered our life in, it's caused us to be all worked up. It's, it's been our focus constantly. Just speak to us now. Give us each ears to hear what you're saying. Lord, we thank you that any hindrance, any doubt, any fear, any blockage, any centering and anything else immediately is forgiven by you when we come to the cross. You died for this. You gave your blood for this. You rose from the dead for this. And you said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live and even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then you ask, do you believe this? And we say today, Yes, we believe. Let's receive the broken body of Christ for our sins together. In the same manner, he took the cup and he said, this is the sacrifice of my blood for your sins. And Lord, we recognize that in this moment, it's your call to us to sacrifice. Sacrifice ourselves by taking ourselves out of the center, our emotions out of the center, our circumstances out of the center, our issues out of the center, anything that we worship out of the center so that you can be Lord of all. We are here to worship and serve you. Let's receive now the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me read that scripture one more time from John 11. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me 
will never die. Let's say this together. Do you believe this? Turn to somebody next to you and say it. Do you believe this? And the answer is, I believe. Yes. Amen. Let's give God thanks and praise for his faithfulness. Amen. If you would like prayer following service, we'll have prayer ministers here at the front and pastors to pray with you. Over the next couple of weeks, we have a lot more questions we're going to be answering because God can handle our questions. Amen? Amen. And each week, we're going to let the Lord speak to us and wipe away some of those doubts. I want to remind you, following service out of the amphitheater, we're going to... Good Samaritan is going to be baptizing 19 of our friends. I encourage you to go out and celebrate with them. These are men and women who've had difficult moments and God's redeemed them. If you want to see life in action, come out and join us out there in just a few moments. Let me speak God's blessing on you. Lord Jesus, you're turning it around right now. You're bringing healing. You're bringing wisdom. You're bringing strength. You're bringing provision. And may we go out with joy and be led forth with peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week in the Lord.